book of Acts is the book of the continuing Christ. What Christ began in the gospel records, he continues in the book of Acts. In the first part of Acts, chapters 1 through 7, we join the adventures of what the Holy Spirit was doing through the apostles in the early church. This work was primarily focused in Jerusalem. The second section of Acts, however, advances beyond Jerusalem to Judea and Samaria. In this section of our study, we see the power of the gospel on full display, changing the lives of those who hear it. Let's join Scott now as the adventure continues. Years ago, I used to hear people talk about praying through. Uh, they, they use the term to describe when a person really begins to seek the Lord with earnestness and intensity in prayer, and they don't stop praying until uh, they pray through. In other words, they have some spiritual breakthrough. I understand the term. I think it can be misused and abused uh, to, to give the idea of some emotional, euphoric experience. But I do believe that there ought to be earnest prayer, that there ought to be effectual prayer, that we ought to, to continue in prayer and press into prayer. Uh, we ought to continue to seek the Lord, to ask and seek and knock. Well, I want to suggest to you that really is not supposed to be an event. That is supposed to be a way of life. Literally, friends, we are to pray our way through this journey. We are to pray our way through this life. Uh, Saul was on a journey. He was headed in one destination, to one destination, one direction. He didn't know the Lord was about to change all of that. In Acts chapter 9, the Bible says in verse 3, as he journeyed, he came near Damascus. But Damascus was not really where the Lord was going to take him. Uh, that was the geographical location. The Lord's getting ready to change everything. And suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Now, when God speaks to you, what's the right response? Talk back. How rude would it be for God to speak to you and you not answer? It's natural. It's spiritual. And so in verse 5, he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? So it all began with a prayer. We're talking about how to find the will of God. Lord, what will thou have me to do? And we've learned already that it begins by knowing Christ. Look, you have to know him personally. But then it not only begins with having your own personal encounter with the Lord Jesus, but now it requires waiting and praying, two of the things that we have the hardest time doing. I don't know about you. I hate to wait. In recent days, God's been teaching me some patience, and, and uh, he can use interesting things in people to do that, can't he? Uh, but waiting and praying are always connected in Scripture. We're not waiting on the circumstances to change. We're waiting upon God in prayer. We're talking to the Lord and so this whole concept of, of praying through, finding out what God wants, laying hold on the Lord, reaching God, I want you to know that's not a destination. That's a continual journey. You don't pray to the will of God. You pray your way through it. In fact, Paul is going to be on a journey basically the rest of his life. He's going to travel to 100 cities, 37 seaports. You talk about a man always on the move. 
But I want to say to you today, his greatest journey was the journey through the will of God. And it was made through prayer. As you wait on God and as you pray, God speaks and God shows you what he wants. Let's read on just a little bit. The Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. Basically, get up and go to town. Go to the town you're already going to and just sit there. (laughs) This is fascinating to me. When Saul said, Lord, what will thou have me to do? The Lord did not say, I want you to write most of the New Testament. I want you to start dozens of churches. I want you to take three missionary journeys. I want you to uh, mentor Timothy. He didn't say any of that. He said, get up and go to town. You see, the will of God comes one step at a time. Uh, Just a little piece of the puzzle is all you may see today, but keep on praying. Verse 7 says, And the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. And Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no man. But They led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. Let me just pause and point out this expression found in verse 7 and in verse 8, no man. Uh, This is interesting to me because the people around him did not have the same experience he did. And I want you to know God may be dealing with you in a specific way right now because he won't, he's trying to get you on the path he has for your life. The will of God is unique. It is special. It is personal. It is individual. This is not a group sport. So everyone else around you may not fully understand what God's doing in your heart. You just keep obeying God. On the other side of that, uh, God blinded Saul so that Saul wasn't looking at all the other people. <laughs> That's interesting, isn't it? Uh, Get your eyes off of people. Get your eyes solely on the Lord. You ever wonder why God blinded him? Certainly the glory of the light of God's presence blinded him. He saw the risen Christ. That's that's one of the things that makes him an apostle. He saw Christ in his resurrection glory, and it blinds him for these three days. But I think one part of that is to get his eyes off of people and off of himself. Think of this. For three days, all he could see was the glory of the risen Christ. You don't think that would change you? Uh, You don't think that image would stay with you? Verse number 9 says, And he was three days without sight, and neither did eat nor drink. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the street which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For, please don't miss the last words of Acts chapter 9, verse number 11, Behold, he prayeth. You ever wonder what Saul was doing for those three days? What was he doing just sitting there blindly waiting? He was talking to God. (laughs) Look, if you had just seen the Lord Jesus on the road to Damascus and now you're blinded by his glory, what do you think you would do for three days? You'd be praying. That's why I don't believe this question, Lord, what would I have me to do, is simply uh, a brief a flippant kind of thing he asked on the road to Damascus. I think it guided his prayers for the next three days. Maybe it'd be good if all of us set aside three days just to seek the Lord, just to get our eyes off of men and back on Christ and waited in the presence of Almighty God. You know, three days was significant to the Jewish people. Uh, They were very superstitious, and uh, these people believed uh, that after three days, circumstances were, were settled forever. For example, they believed that when their loved ones died, the spirit of their loved one hovered near the body for three days, that there was hope for three days. But after the three days, 
uh, there was no more hope. The spirit would depart. Why do you think Jesus waited the period he did before he showed up at the tomb of Lazarus? He could have come earlier, uh, but he waited because only God could do what happened when Lazarus came forth. Why do you think Christ was in the grave for three days and three nights? Beyond human intervention, beyond all hope, beyond any imagination that there might be a resuscitation of life, only God. And I love the fact that for three days, God lets him sit there in darkness just praying. Friend, God works in the waiting. God answers prayer. In fact, he says to Ananias, Behold, he prayeth, and he's seen in a vision a man named Ananias. God gave him light in his darkness. God gave him answers to his prayer. God gave him more information during those three days as he simply sought the Lord. If you want to know the will of God, I'm glad that you've prayed to receive Christ as your Savior, but that's not the end of your prayer life. That's the beginning of it. Now it's time to seek the Lord. Now it's time to commune with God, talk to God, now it's time to pray, and as you pray, God will show you the next step. Oh, my friend, the adventure continues, yes, and it is the adventure of faith and the adventure of prayer. What an encouragement to us today to remember the transforming power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel changed lives in the first century, and the gospel is still changing lives today. If you missed the first section of this study on The Adventure Continues, be sure to visit our website, enjoyingthejourney.org, where you can access this study along with many other resources to encourage you in your walk with God. However you listen to this podcast, we are grateful for each of you. We hope you will continue to listen and also share it with others. From all of us on the Enjoying the Journey team, may God bless you and help you enjoy the journey.